Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit epiphanyligonier.org mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e-newsletter. In the middle of our recording this week, we encounter one of the most famous and unnerving and spooky things that Jesus teaches. For Christians who know the end of Jesus' ministry, we know that God wants to forgive the sins of the world, that his ministry is fundamentally one of grace and unconditional love. And so the words of Jesus in our reading today, they're scary, because at face value, it looks as if there's a big red line that, if we crossed it in thought, word, or deed, Well, good luck. There's no coming back. Last week, we spoke about the Pharisees and the source of their theology. And Jesus continues to grow and influence in the region of Galilee. Well, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, about three days' journey away, they take note. And they send some scribes, those religious lawyers who are experts in the law of Moses. They send some scribes to Galilee to file a report on Jesus and his ministry. People in Jerusalem want to know, who is this man? What's the deal with all these miracles we're hearing about? Is he really driving out demons and performing these exorcisms and healings? They find Jesus and begin to take notes, and they attribute his success to the fact that he must be possessed by the chief of demons himself, Beelzebub, i.e. Satan. And it's by this power of Satan that Jesus is driving out demons. It's not God's chosen one fighting against the powers of darkness, But it's an agent of the devil commanding his subordinates to flee elsewhere, so that the crowds are seduced into falling away from God. After Jesus pokes holes in this argument, a house divided cannot stand, Jesus famously reasons, he speaks a word of judgment on these scribes, and here it is. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. Let's break this down a bit. The thing that prompts Jesus' word of condemnation is that the scribes diagnosed Jesus' ministry as satanic. That's what they say. They say this is a ministry of the Lord of the Flies, which is another way of saying this is a ministry of Satan. And when they say he has an unclean spirit, they're saying that Jesus himself is demon-possessed and that his ministry and his teaching are the work of the devil. And that sounds so dumb, doesn't it? (laughs) Jesus is healing the sick and ameliorating the suffering of the lepers and restoring mobility to the paralyzed. People from across the land are coming to hear him speak and teach and witness his healings. But to the scribes? (laughs) Well, this is clearly the devil's work. How frustrating it must be to go around doing good and doing God's work and to have it all written off as wicked and evil as sinful and satanic. And for Jesus, this is a line too far. The truth is, you see, we all of us have our own sins and blasphemies. We all struggle to follow God's law, and we all fail to hold a perfect theology or a perfect faith. Jesus did. We've had trouble. We've all broken the commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain. 
exposing a lack of gratitude and deference to the God who created us and loved us. And we can confess all our sins and blasphemies to God. But you know, those are the only sins and blasphemies that we remember and are aware of. There are plenty more sins and blasphemies we take to the grave, known mainly by God alone, and perhaps the person we've wronged. And yet, when we die, these are all forgiven. They're atoned for by the blood of Christ. To look at Jesus' ministry and say it's the work of the devil, and to not repent or apologize and to carry that sin to our grave, that's where the red line is drawn. God can forgive all the other stuff, all the stuff that we don't know about and the stuff that we've done that we can't remember, and the stuff that's even really egregious, the big stuff. But nobody's getting to heaven if they think that heaven is hell and God is the devil and Jesus was possessed. Not that they would want to anyway, if that's their opinion of Jesus and his ministry. But if that's not satisfying enough, if you're still anxious about the great red line in our reading, well, flip with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. In this letter, Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, leaving him in charge of the church in Ephesus while he travels on to the next city to preach the gospel. There were some men in the church who were taking the church off the rails. They were preaching and teaching things that were ancillary or irrelevant or outright heretical to the Christian faith. And Timothy was charged with laying down the law in Paul's absence. And to encourage Timothy, Paul writes of his own experience when he needed someone to lay down the law with him. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy. I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appearing to me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul, you'll remember, was a Pharisee who hunted down Christians for persecution. He was a blasphemer. He was just like these scribes who saw Jesus as a threat and an agent of the devil and not their king. But Paul received mercy nonetheless. And the result is Paul's transformed life, a life available to these scribes if they can repent and turn over their lives to God as well. The truth is, if you're afraid of committing some unpardonable sin, if you think you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and fear that heaven's gates are closed for you, if this passage gives you the heebie-jeebies and stomach butterflies and you fear your faith, I would like to suggest that the issue here isn't that you've discovered some great caveat to the forgiveness of God, uh, but in fact, I'm not sure you understand God's forgiveness enough. From the very beginning, Christians have believed that faith in Jesus' death and resurrection was enough. We are saved through faith and not works. And if we believe that we can have a Christian faith that saves us, but then we have a bad day and say the wrong thing and maybe blaspheme the Holy Spirit out of frustration and anger or a brief moment of losing our temper, if we believe those things can condemn us to hell forever, that puts us squarely back in the category of works. That means you are ultimately responsible for your own salvation and that you are not saved by grace, and that the mustard seed of faith that Jesus says you need to have, well, it's not enough. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's famous thought experiment about Jesus being a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Lewis was trying to explain that the one thing Jesus could not be was a great teacher in a pantheon of other great teachers in history, or a religious figure worth learning something from whose insights would value our secular age. If you go through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus very clearly thought he was the exclusive way through which the world would be saved. He and he alone would die and rise again for the sins of the world. 
He was the way, the truth, and the life, which meant that everything else is a dead end, a lie, and death. Looking through Jesus' teachings, Lewis came to this conclusion. Every person must ask whether Jesus is crazy, like his family in our reading, who say that Jesus is out of his mind. They must decide whether he is a liar, like the scribes, who say that Jesus is possessed by the father of lies. Or he is Lord, like the crowds and the disciples, who follow him at the expense of everything. Which is to say, Jesus' teaching is not in contradiction of the truth that we are saved by grace through faith. It's the logical conclusion of it. We are all saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, or we write him off as a con man or a lunatic. Those are the only three options. To consider him anything else is to not take Jesus seriously. And in our reading today, Jesus says that those who would study his word and call him a liar and an agent of evil, well, there's no place in the kingdom of God for them. This Sunday, I'll be preaching more on the attempt by Jesus' family to end his ministry and how our selection highlights something unique about Jesus, that he has authority over his own family. Oh, and stay tuned. This week, I have a bonus email in the works that outlines a bit of ancient Palestinian geography and how a throwaway line from Mark 3 has a deep and resonant word of insight into Jesus' ministry. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday, if not sooner. Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.